Continuing our farm system previews, we got an organization that is heavy on premium outfield prospects and a lot of pitching talent, the Chicago Cubs. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So this organization, the Chicago Cubs, 74-88 and last year, went out, made a bunch of moves this year including signing Dansby Swanson, bringing in a lot of guys to try to be competitive in this National League Central. I like what they did. And part of this is they're working to get some of these top prospects to Chicago to help out. And as a, there's a group of premium outfield prospects at the very top of this system. None more prominent than PCA himself, outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong, 2020 first rounder out of high school, by the Mets, you'll notice a trend in here. A lot of these guys were drafted by other organizations, and when the Cubs kind of tore it down, sent out Baez and Chris Bryant and Rizzo and all those guys, they dramatically improved the talent level of this farm system. So he was acquired in the Javi Baez deal, but 6'1", 180, 101 games last year, divided between uh, low A and high A, so Myrtle Beach and South Bend. 312, 376, 520. 16 home runs, 46 extra base hits. 10 of those were triples. 36 walks to 102 strikeouts. 32 of 43 on stolen bases. So, things to know about Pico Armstrong. Before anything else, we have to cover it. He's probably the best outfield defender in the minors right now. 80 grade defense. Uh, he has a he has plus speed. I've seen 60. I've seen 65 at a place or two, but. Consensus at least plus speed, above average to plus arm, and the reads, routes, and reactions are just elite. I mean, it is, he's graceful, he is fluid, the routes are just about perfect, he's fantastic going into the gaps to get balls, uh, can go back to the wall, makes, I mean, makes sports in our top 10 highlight catches just about every single day. Fantastic. So. Premium defender, zero question about him sticking it in center field. When he gets to the bigs, he will probably immediately be a gold glove contender at center field. That's how good he is. Offensively, the contact tool, significantly better than the power tool. So the contact tool plus hitter, right? Uh, very good, very good batter's eye. So very good pitch recognition and swing decisions. Uh, lefty swing, very smooth, very fluid, very quick. Very good hand-eye coordination. So he can make contact with anything in the zone. Now, uh, most of that is line drive power right now. He can, if he gets one and gets a good pull to it, he can put it out. I'd say his pull side power is probably average right now, but his overall power is just a tick below average. I think he does have a little bit more room as he physically matures. He, again, 6'1", 180. Uh, to add a little bit of power and get to average. But uh, the big thing is here is gets a bat on a ball, 
gets extra bases, very aggressive base runner, can take extra bases. The only real weaknesses you have right now, talking about Pete Crow Armstrong, is one, uh, you can jam him inside. You can, you can bust him inside and induce weak contact by throwing something in on his hands. And then two, sometimes on the base paths, he'll be a little too aggressive and he'll run himself into some outs. But other than that, he is fantastic at age 20. Uh, I expect him to start off in double A Tennessee this year. Depending on how the big league team goes, he could be up to Wrigley by the end of the season. If it's me, my goal is get him up with just enough time to not lose rookie eligibility so that he can have a rookie of the year season next year and get you an extra draft pick. Number two prospect in the system, outfielder Brennan Davis, 6'4", 180. He was a 2018 second rounder out of high school and had a lot of injury concerns. Spoiler alert, he's the needs-to-stay-healthy superlative later in the show. Uh, Got 53 total games in last year between high A, double A, and his rehab stuff in rookie ball. And kind of an ugly stat line. 180, 299, 298. Five home runs, 11 extra base hits. 25 walks to 65 strikeouts, and 0 for 1 on stolen bases. The issue here is, he has plus raw power, he has fantastic plate coverage, but he's missed so much time developmentally, where he still struggles with spin, and he gets caught between. He can't catch up to the fastball, but he's too early on the changeup or the breaking stuff. And it's something where he needs more time. He's only played more than 53 games once in four full seasons. Uh, He has a grand total in three full seasons in the bigs, uh, you know, obviously not counting 2020, of 202 games. And that was after 18 in his draft year. So needs to stay healthy, needs more reps. I think defensively, he would be average in center field. He'd be above average and right. The arm's above average. The speed's above average. But again, just needs more reps. Needs to see more professional pitching. I like him to go back to Iowa. And if I had my druthers, he's in Iowa probably all season because he's got to get the timing down. He's got to get the pitch recognition and the swing decisions down. Uh, number three prospect in the system, 2018 IFA. Kevin Alcantara, another outfielder, 6-6-2-10, and was actually signed by the Yankees and was part of the compensation for the Anthony Rizzo trade. So another guy that came in the system because of that teardown, but got 112 games last year in low A Myrtle Beach at age 19. 273-360-451. 15 home runs, 40 extra base hits, 55 walks to 123 strikeouts, 14 to 17 on stolen bases. One of the higher ceilings in the system, but a lot more variance than your average prospect as to whether or not he's going to hit it. Uh, The power is plus power, but contact-wise, a little bit below average. He has a short swing, but... uh, it, which is surprising because he's 6'6". He's got long levers, but the shortest swing, uh, the the swing is short, plenty of bat speed to it. And the thing here is he doesn't always pick up spin early enough to make the adjustment in the swing. So it's, it's kind of inconsistent. Uh, he'll expand the strike zone from time to time, 
uh, kind of selling out to make contact. But I think a little bit of improved swing decisions, a little bit of added strength, and you could see him get to an average hitter where that plus power can play into games. Uh, the power does work to all fields, so that he has that going for him. He can he, he can do foul pole to foul pole, and again, could grow into even more power depending on the physical development. Uh, defensively, above average speed. He can play center field for now. He's at a different level than PCA, so that's fine. I think he's going to end up in a corner. I expect him to slow down just a little bit. He's only above average speed-wise right now. And so as he adds a little bit of weight, you'll see him the speed back up a little bit. And when that happens, because the arm is only average, I see him as a left fielder. So I think your future alignment here, if all three of these guys make the bigs, is Pete Crow Armstrong, obviously, is your center fielder. Brennan Davis is your right fielder. Kevin Alcantara is your left fielder. A lot of stuff that all three of these guys have to do before that is like before you can realize that in Wrigley Field. Uh, number four prospect in the system, guy we talked about in the show a couple times before, first baseman Matt Mervis, uh, 6'1", 225. He was a 2020 undrafted free agent out of Duke. Again, we don't worry about guys who were undrafted in 2020 because all that means is they could have been a sixth round pick. You only had five rounds in the draft that year. 137 games last year between high A, double A, and triple A. 309, 379, 605. 36 home runs, 78 extra base hits, 50 walks to 107 strikeouts, and 2-2 on stolen bases. So here's the thing about the stats. Matt Mervis led all of minor league baseball and extra base hits, so 78, again, in 137 games, so better than one every other game. Led all of minor league baseball in RBIs with 117. Led all of minor league baseball in total bases with 310. And then was third in all of the minors with 36 home runs. And when you look at the individual stats, double-A Tennessee, he got 53 games. Triple-A Iowa, he got 57 games. The batting average? three points apart. The on-base, 10 points apart. The slugging, three points apart. He was the exact same hitter at double-A and triple-A. I know it's wild to think about a guy that, yes, he had a season in 2022, and then he's going to be in the bigs in 2023, but I think he's ready. Now, the issue you have, a couple things here. Okay, what he does well. Very good plate recognition. Obviously, the power is plus or better. He has a massive arm, too. He was a pitcher. He, like, like he was a, a two-way player at Duke. He was a first baseman and a reliever, a righty reliever. So he can, you know, he can run the fastball up to 96 or so. So the arm strength is a 70 grade. It's fantastic. But offensively, he's prone to chase low. And it's something where he's trying to get a pitch, get underneath it and drive it. But if it drops below the zone, obviously he's swinging and missing and striking out. And then he struggles a little bit against lefties. So there is some platoon issues there with right-handed pitching versus left-handed pitching. And the value, like the, the value for Matt Mervis is exclusively tied to the bat. His speed is 30 grade. His defense is probably a 40. It's good enough for first base, mind you. Uh, and again, the arm strength is there if he has to, you know, scoop something up and, uh, you know, or make a pick at first, and then fire over to third to get a runner who was, you know, leaning too far. He has all of that. But offensively, he has to do it. We saw some of the moves 
the Cubs made to bring in first base options, Trey Mancini, things like that. And, and so Jose Brayu. So I don't necessarily know if there's a spot right away for Matt Mervis, but if this team is out of it, uh, I expect them to probably flip a guy or two and then make room for Matt Mervis to come up. I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. It's just a matter of finding time to put him in. And just a minute, I want to get to the state of the pitching, and specifically, I want to talk about the unique pitching development that this organization does. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We're excited about this new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's fine. They have tons of great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. A new customer can join today, FanDuel.com slash Locked On. You can get $150 in free bets when you place your first $5 bet. They have all your favorite bets, money line, point spreads, player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. When you go out and you look at some of the division odds right now, the Cubs in the National League Central are third for odds. Minus 115 for the Cardinals. They are the favorite. Plus 145 for the Brewers. Cubs, plus 550. And then after that, Pirates plus 6,000, Reds plus 6,000. So they think the Cubs legitimately could go on a run and take this division if some things break right for them. So uh, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on because you can make every moment more with FanDuel. Okay, so the state of the pitching, we have to have a quick, brief conversation about some unique stuff that this team does with their pitchers. So uh, one of the big things in this organization, maybe more so than any other, is the gyro slider. Uh, They do a lot of cut right fastballs and then gyro sliders. They teach their guys gyro sliders. So let's real quick, I'm going to try to put like two minutes on the clock. Let's explain what a gyro slider is. And I'm going to try to do it in a way where if you're on audio, you're not missing anything here. So picture a globe, right? If you're thinking about, you know, you spin the globe, obviously the North Pole and the South Pole don't necessarily move. That is the spin axis, a line, an imaginary line going through the South Pole and the North Pole. The globe spins around that axis. That is the spin axis. So. When you throw a slider, let's say a right-hand pitcher is throwing a traditional sweepy slider, okay? So when a horizontal breaker doesn't have a lot of vertical movement, the spin of the ball, the axis is vertical. So it's pointing up in the air. And the spin of the ball goes from right to left. And the movement of the spin around the ball pulls the ball to the left because air is it's easier for air on the left hand side of the ball to go around because it's following the spin whereas there's more resistance on the right hand side of the ball because the ball is spinning forward as the air is trying to come against the spin so that's what pulls the ball to the side Uh, a curveball a 12 to 6 curveball that's a scenario where the ball is spinning the axis points out towards first and third base and the spin is top to bottom. And so as the ball goes towards the plate, gravity is obviously pulling everything down, but also the spin inc- like makes it easier for air to go underneath the ball 
and gives resistance to air going over the ball, and that helps pull the ball down as well. A gyro slider is different. Think about a bullet, how a bullet spins with the rifle, or think about a football thrown with a perfect spiral. The spin, the axis, goes points directly forward, right? The axis points towards the plate or points towards the batter. So all of the spin, what the spin is doing is stabilizing the flight and preventing the ball from breaking left or down or right or whatever. It's helping stabilize it. So the movement of the slider in that case, in the gyro slider case, is not because of the spin, but it's because of the gravity. So the Cubs believe very strongly in the, in the gyro slider. Uh, they're not the only ones. Obviously, Spencer Strider throws a gyro slider, but they believe very strongly in it. And uh, the, the blog Northside Bound, writer Greg Zumach, he's done a ton of work breaking down these pitches and how the Cubs like to teach the cut right fastball and the slider and things like that. If you want more information about it, go check it out. He's got grand, fantastic stuff up there. Again, northsidebound.com. But a lot of these pitchers now are succeeding with this slider because it's unique and it's, it's a different visual picture than a lot of hitters are used to seeing. So I like a lot of these guys. Cade Horton, uh, 2021st rounder out of Oklahoma, 6'1", 211. Had Tommy John in 2021 in college, made it back to the mound partway through the 2022 season, and then absolutely destroyed in Omaha at the College World Series. Was fantastic and became a first-round pick. Uh, his fastball is a 70-grade fastball, 94 to 96. It can touch 98. It has cut and ride, so it'll move glove side. It'll resist gravity up in the zone. Very effective up there. He does throw a gyro slider. It's, it's a plus pitch, 87 to 90. So the gyro slider means it's going to have vertical break, but not a lot of horizontal break. Um, to go along with that, he's got a curveball that's kind of average in the low 80s and an upper 80s changeup that's kind of fringy. If Cade Horton can develop a, a consistent third pitch, whether it's the curveball that's a downward breaking curveball, I'd rather it be the changeup to get you a different velocity and different movement profile. But if he can develop that third pitch and then just kind of polish some stuff up, he only really pitched for one year in college because he had Tommy John in 21. There was no season in 2020, obviously. And then 22, he didn't even get into, he didn't start pitching until halfway through the year. He was a third baseman to start the year because he was still recovering from the TJ. I think he can be a third pitch, uh, sorry, a, a, a number three in a rotation, but he's got a little bit of work to do there. Uh, another prospect, 2017 33rd rounder, another guy you acquired in a trade from Philly for, the Dave, for David Robertson, is Ben Brown, 6'6", 210, and got in 23 games last year. Uh, 22 of them were starts between high A Jersey Shore and double A Tennessee at age 22. Uh, 338 ERA, 104 innings pitch with 149 strikeouts, so 12.9 per nine, to 36 walks, 3.1 per nine, 10 home runs allowed. Uh, plus fastball, 94 to 97. Again, has a lot of that, uh, you know, that kind of late ride to it. He has a power curveball, plus pitch in the mid 80s, has like a sharp bite downwards. So he can either uh, drop it below the zone and get you to chase it, or if he thinks you're not going to swing, he can land it for a strike. 
Uh, slider, power slider, sits high 80s, low 90s. It's an above average pitch. And then a changeup. Not a great changeup. I mean, I'd say probably a 30 or 35 grade. He's got to improve it to have an option against lefties. Uh, but a uh, lot of just great tools there, great weapons, needs more polish. I expect him probably to go back to Tennessee, to AA Tennessee next year, with the goal of being ended up in AAA. Uh, Hayden Wineski, 6'3", 210, 2019 sixth rounder out of Sam Houston State. Uh, he was another trade acquisition. When they sent reliever Scott Efrost to the Yankees, they got him. But six games in the bigs last year. Four of those were starts, two in relief, 218 ERA, and 33 innings pitched, 33 strikeouts, so nine strikeouts per nine, to seven walks, 1.9 per nine, three home runs allowed. Um, throws both a four-seamer and a two-seamer, above average, but they're there to set up the fastball. So the four-seamer is 93 to 94. It can touch 97, has some sink to it. The two-seamer, a little bit slower, 92 to 95. Uh, but the slider is a plus pitch in the low 80s. It's got two-plane break. It's something the Yankees like to teach the sweepy sliders. Obviously, the Cubs are the gyro slider. It kind of sits there in the middle. It's got a slightly tilted axis, so it'll break horizontally and some vertically. So it kind of darts diagonally away from where it starts on the way into the plate. Uh, cutter is average right now, high 80s. Also has a changeup that's below average, sits in the upper 80s. He needs that to be better against lefties. Uh, you're noticing a trend here. A lot of these guys are, are you know, need work on their changeups. Uh, but he, kind of an unconventional delivery, helps with the deception. And then he can just, he can throw everything for strikes. Control's pretty good. So I like the ability of him to be a number four, number five, to just eat innings throughout the year, give you 150 innings once he gets a little more built up uh, and, and be effective for you and then be like a, be a long man out of the bullpen in the playoffs or a specialist for in certain situations. Uh, fourth pitcher I want to talk about real quick, right-hand pitcher Caleb Killian, 2019 eighth rounder at a Texas Tech by the Giants. He was part of the Chris Bryant trade, 6'4", 180. 26 games in AAA last year, 4'2", ERA, 106 and two-thirds innings, with 125 strikeouts, 10.5 per nine, to 59 walks, just under five walks per nine, seven home runs allowed. So the thing here, fastball's above average. Again, like a lot of these guys, has some um, cut or ride to it. He can kind of manipulate it. He can make it look like a sinker sometimes, or he can do the cut ride. So kind of whatever he wants to do there. Uh, Curveball's above average, high 70s. It's got good depth to it. Uh, cutter is average, but he can throw it really well. It sits in the upper 80s. He gets a lot of chase with that. And then again, a changeup that's a little below average in the mid 80s needs some work there. Really uses it, but wouldn't hurt to kind of fix that and add that in. Uh, the delivery, the control was plus and it backed up last year. And I'm not quite sure why. It looked like it was the lower half and the upper half not necessarily staying synced. I don't quite know what happened if he was working around an injury or something like that. Cubs officials said they knew what happened. The question is, can they fix it? And I don't know what's going to happen there. He has the stuff to be at the back of the rotation guy. You just have to fix that control and get it back to plus. So I look for him to do that. He got a little bit of time in the majors in 22. It's kind of ugly. 
11 innings, ERA of like 10. He's going to go back to AAA Iowa. He's got to fix all of that. In just a second, I want to get to the superlatives. I always love telling you guys about who might be the breakout prospect in this system. And we'll do that right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. So we're talking about the Chicago Cubs. And we're giving away superlatives to this organization and to these players. Uh, the, your, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. The poster child in this system for that is outfielder Alexander Canario. 2017 IFA by the Giants. The other piece in that Chris Bryant trade. So 125 games last year between high A South Bend, double A Tennessee, and triple A Iowa. 252, 343, 556. 37 home runs, 65 extra base hits, and again, 125 games, so better than one every other game. 59 walks to 147 strikeouts, 23 to 26 on stolen bases. Let's get the defense out of the way quickly. Plus arm, above average speed, very easy to picture him as a right field option. And so since you have a little bit more time, or it's going to take longer for Brennan Davis to get there, because you remember uh, batting average under 200 last year, a bunch of injuries in the lower minors. So you could see Canario up sooner in right field until Brennan Davis is ready. Offensively, the issue you have for Ale- if you're Alexander Canario, and he, he still looked good, batting average of 250, slugging over 500, 37 home runs. But the issue here is uh, two things. One is overswinging. So selling out for power and just missing something and then chasing breaking balls down. It's something where he sees the pitch is aimed towards the bottom part of the strike zone. I'm going to get under this and I'm going to crush this and put this in the seats. And then it drops into the dirt and you, and it's just it's a swing and miss. Uh, something you have to work on. A lot of that is just getting to see these pitches and getting to see better quality um, pitches and learning to adjust to it. Some of that's an instructional thing you can teach guys as far as when you see something low like that, you know, maybe swing two balls below where you were going to swing, kind of give them some 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 training, some drills to help with that kind of stuff. But got to get that. The power is absolutely a carrying tool. He just has to hit well enough for the power to show up in games. Your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. A breakout prospect in this system guy that I'm a fan of, Daniel Palencia. So he was acquired um, from the Oakland A's as part of the Andrew Chaffin trade. Uh, got 21 games in high A, 20 starts, 3.94 ERA in 75 and a third innings, 98 strikeouts, 11.7 per nine, to 35 walks, 4.2 per nine, seven home runs allowed. I love the weapons, uh, the, the fastball. Plus fastball sits a hundred. He's just got tons of power. You know, sits at a hundred, can touch a hundred and two. The slider, another plus pitch, uh, sits in the mid nineties. A little inconsistent, but looks fantastic when he has it. And then, from what I understand, he's working on a new change, or he has a new change to unveil this season. Uh, probably going to sit high 80s, low 90s. And then I've heard rumors that I haven't confirmed yet that he's also added a cutter, which would probably be in the high 90s and would give a very useful uh, movement profile between the fastball, the slider, and the cutter. So I kind of hope that's the case. I hope that he's done that. But either way, a guy that has ridiculously stupid 
just natural velocity. When you watch him warm up, he's doing long toss, and he'll end up going foul pole to foul pole. Like, the guy he's playing toss with has to have somebody in center field as a relay because the guy can't match. And he can just he can just casually start off normal and stretch all the way back to the foul pole and then come all the way back in and then still go out there and start and hit 100 miles an hour consistently all game. Uh, now, the command and the control aren't necessarily great, so we need to do a little bit of work there. There is reliever risk if these third pitches don't show up and you're just kind of stuck as a fastball slider guy. Uh, again, I think... You can make the fastball slider profile work if they're good enough. Shout out Spencer Strider. But that's not that should not be uh, the model of what you're trying to do with everybody who has two pitches. You have to have those two pitches be exceptional. And again, the velocity is exceptional. The slider is good when it's consistent. But you need to get at least a third pitch, if not a fourth pitch. Guy who needs to stay healthy, we already mentioned it, but Brennan Davis. Three full seasons, 202 games. In total, since he was uh, acquired 220 games, he's had a hamstring issue, he's had a broken finger, he's had a broken nose, he's had a concussion. Then last year, he had back surgery because of like a cluster of blood vessels in his back that was messed up, and then came back, went to the Arizona Fall League, and had to leave with lower back tightness. So has only broken 53 games in a season once. Just needs to stay healthy so that he can... Uh, get the reps in to adjust to big league pitching and hit his potential. And then best outfield defender, not only in this system, but maybe in all of the minors is Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, again, as soon as he debuts, he's going to be a gold glove candidate. That's how good his defense is. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, if you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, lockedonmbprospects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the new Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.